1: Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko.
0: Okay, Peach. Yep. I know I got us into legal trouble a couple of episodes ago. by making an apology on air. So this is really important. Like this is an important one to me. So this is not on behalf of Spooko. This is Mm. not on behalf of FBI. Peach is not my legal counsel, Mm -hmm. but I want to sincerely apologize for ever indicating in any way Mm. that Moana is not a perfect film. Thank you. I am, I am just... I accept that apology. I am just... So, so sorry. I'm so, like Ugh. from the bottom of my heart. Can I explain something that happened to me very recently?
1: Yes. Yes, you may. I'm so, I'm so grateful to receive this apology. I accept it on behalf of everyone. <laughs> you are right. Finally.
0: Are you going to sue me?
1: Shag, no, uh, no, I'm not. Just, it's the principle of the thing. It's the principle. <laughs> You've suffered enough in having Moana out of your life. <laughs>
0: So we have arguably the worst government in the world. We have an Australian Trump in that we have Mm -hmm. a populist leader Mm -hmm. who is very ineffectual and just tells people what they want to hear while never Mm -hmm. taking responsibility for anything. Mm -hmm. And thusly, Australia had a really good run dealing with coronavirus because we're basically Mm -hmm. a giant island. So it was very hard for the virus to come in, but it did get in, especially with Delta. And now we're screwed because... Our leadership sucks, and we don't yep. have enough vaccinated people.
1: The analogy is with the classic 1962 or 1964 essay about Australia called "The Lucky Country" by its economist, these economist Donald Horn. And everyone was like, "Fuck yeah, the lucky country—that's us!" Woo. <laughs> 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 and, and the economist was like, "No, no, it's like it's not a compliment. It's like it's saying like any success you have is a fluke, and we're very much the same with the virus. Of like because we live on an island." Like, yeah, fuck, yeah, woo. No one's, no one's coming in with COVID. We did it. <laughs> we can just take our foot off the gas now. That's easy. Woo.
0: I, I know everyone's like, Trump, only in America. Mm. Our prime minister was a chief marketing officer of a tourism body. Like, mm. he literally approved ads. That was his mm. job. And now mm. he's prime minister. Like, it's, it's embarrassing at a deep level. It's like, he represents us as a country.
1: We are broadly not anti-organized religion. We're not. We're not hyper pro-organized religion. But I'm not here to take shots at anyone just just because organized religion is for them. But there is something about the particular type of blind faith, and I use that quite deliberately, of just putting the country in God's hands. Of just being like, oh well, <laughs> if God wanted Australia to get some COVID, I, mean, I don't know what you're expecting me to fucking do about it. <laughs> it's like a a peculiarly sort of arrogant and cowardly uh, faith that our Prime Minister practices. And, you know, good luck to him and good luck to the zero listeners we have who practice that faith as well. What's up? What's up to you all?
0: So because of COVID and lockdowns Mm. and working from home Mm. and having a young child, Mm. I am perpetually on the precipice of the burnout and depression abyss. Like I'm always Mm. almost there I'm always way closer to a fight or way closer to tears than I normally would be. Mm. And so this is where I find myself on a Saturday morning with Golden Child, who has since decided that they love surfboards, which is how they call surfboards, and thinking, okay, what do I want to put on that's going to show the ocean, going to show water? Have you not seen it
1: or have you only like half watched it previously? I've sort of half
0: watched it, right? And yes. Golden Child is not in an age where they can sit through a whole film. But the opening of Moana has a lot of ocean, has a lot of water, has a lot of dancing, it has a lot of singing. Mm. It felt perfect, right? Anyway, oh, so I'm watching the, yeah, watching the yeah, opening. I am watching the opening. I am watching the opening. And there's that perfect song called There You Are, which does that thing great musical do. it's
1: time you knew... The village of Montenu is all we need.
0: It's it's a perfect musical song in which it takes a lyrical concept and finds two different meanings for it. So there you are. What it starts with is Moana's, you know, overbearing, very patriarchal family mm. basically saying, you are a princess, this is your mm. role, and your purpose in life is to find happiness where you are, right? Like that's, yeah. that's the role of that song. But then, and fuck, I'm going to cry. But also, I am like gonna... also a
1: defensiveness of, uh, so Shag, I cried in the cinema. Like I, I watched this film with one daughter on one knee, my other daughter on the other knee, completely fucking exhausted because we, because, um, other golden child was very, very young at the time. This is the first time I'd been out of my house and it was my birthday. This was my birthday celebration was to see Moana with my daughters. I was just fucking bawling my eyes at this song, so I'm with you 100.
0: So, so, and and I cried on the couch when I saw this, mm. and I'm probably yep. gonna cry when I repeat it yep. now. But you should. But there's a moment where, and obviously, this if you haven't seen Moana, and like, look, not everyone has. It's a very popular film, but not everyone fucking has. Go,
1: like, pause the podcast, do yourself a favor.
0: So Moana sees herself as more than just being a princess that lives in an island nation. And so she goes down to the beach where uh, her grandma is and her grandma is just dancing on the water and talks about how much she likes, like everyone's dancing and doing this big song, but she just likes to dance to her own beat and watch the water because she loves how mischievous the water is. And then it comes this line and I I think this might be one of my favourite lyrics of all time. Like I think it is a perfect lyric and I'm going to explain why I think it's perfect. But she says... The village may think I'm crazy. Replace the village with society, but society may think I'm crazy or say that I drift too far. But once you know what you like, well, there you are. And and when I heard that, I I just I I couldn't take it. I was I was crying, and I'm like Adele came in, and I'm like look, I just point at me, and I'm like look at me, I'm crying, and I'm crying because it is the most perfect encapsulation of the best part of growing up. The best part of growing up by far is when you're true to yourself and accept the things you like. You spend all of your teenage years, all of your early 20s, all of your late 20s even being like, oh, I like these things. These are the people. Mm. And even with friends, you're like, yeah, I like these. These are my friends and this is Mm. the thing I like to do and these are the hobbies I like to do. And Mm. it's only when you get older, you're like, you know what? Fuck it. I like this. I don't Mm. care what you say. Like, I don't care. Like, I like this thing. And I've never heard a line spoke to me so deeply and summed that up
1: this is how i feel about mac lethal's welcome to my myspace page on <laughs> uh, on on subsequent readers <laughs>
0: <laughs> so anyway so anyway let me explain what is the realization i had a couple of years ago of the thing that i like i came up in quite a creative world you know i went to art school was in, you know, radio, DJing, lots of friends who were in the arts were either hardcore artists or very successful, like, corporate artists, you know, working for TV, blah, 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 right? Mm. So there's always this pressure, this underlying pressure that you're supposed to read the right books. You're supposed to, (laughs) like, do you know what I mean? Like, Uh, every book you read has to have at least been nominated for a Booker Prize. Mm -hmm. Has to, like...
1: Hillary Mantel books are all really boring and I've never finished one.
0: I have like, I have read enough books about a character in Brooklyn having an existential crisis. I never need to read another one. And all those (laughs) books, every single one of those books is just a humble brag to be like, I understand Brooklyn. I've lived there quite a bit.
1: The Confederacy of Dunces is this like perfect, perfect perfect novel, underappreciated while the novelist was alive. I forgot if he committed suicide or whatever happened. And I'm always like... It's one of my favorite books. That's right. Never finished it. (laughs) (laughs) And same with um, James, James Baldwin's Another Country, which I should have mentioned on Antebellum last week, that I'm like classic, a searing portrait of like race and America in the 1960s, perfect book. And I'm like two thirds of the way through and I'm like, I've read enough to know that it's a perfect book and to hold myself out as having read it.
0: So a couple of years ago, we were about to go on holiday you do that usual thing where it's like, Oh, I need some books to pack. And for the first time in my life, I was like, yes, fuck it. Harry Potter. No, uh, no, 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 no. Can I guess? Yeah. Roald Dahl? No. Uh,
1: one of the uh, um, like Matthew Baldacci or one of the like spy thrillery type type. Is there like a spy Close. thriller type Close.
0: book? I was like, fuck it. I Stephen just want King. to bring yeah, a bunch Stephen of horror. I just want to bring a bunch of horror novels. That's yes. all I want to read. Literally All I want to read... I don't have enough... I don't have time to read books. Who has time to read fucking books? I don't have that time. But when I do, if I'm on holiday, all I want to read is something about an ancient evil awoken on a camping trip that has a page somewhere two-thirds of the way through the book that goes, and when he opened the door, he saw something that he wished he'd never seen. And then the next three pages are three of the most awful things you've ever, like, that's what <laughs> I want. I just, that's all I want. And I was like, that realization liberated me so much. And I think without even realizing it, I think it's one of the true inspirations behind this podcast, knowing that you'd never watched horror films and being like, this is a true joy for me. And it's a true, like, it's a guilty pleasure in the fact that I was ashamed of it. Cause I thought it wasn't what my peers wanted me to do. And now I just accept it and be like, no, it's awesome and I love it. And I think it's what, without even, like, we've got to episode, you know, 98 and mm. we're only just starting to realise the true reasons behind the origins of Spooko.
1: This is how I feel about podcasts and music. Like, for a lot of years up to now, I've been like, all I've listened to in my headphones has been podcasts. And from, like, two weeks ago, I was like, I have not listened to that 2018 Dave album just without skipping to go next, next, yeah, these are all fine. And I just listened to it all while I was cleaning the house and I was like, oh, I remember putting on albums and just listening to them. This is glorious. <laughs> Shag, I can't believe this podcast was actually about finding stuff we like and embracing it. This is really exciting. It's, it's
0: just making me... Like, I'm I'm so close to tears. Uh, so, Peach, today mm. we're doing a bit of a Spooko first. And I don't know what I'm going to edit if in If it's here. a book,
1: I will freak out. Yeah. <laughs> so, well,
0: wait, wait, wait. So, we are a better podcast because of the people who listen to it. I want to mm. shout out to Kelly because... Yes. No hyperbole Kelly makes this show better yep. And one of the things they've done recently Is reach out and say I'd love you to do this horror novella for Spooko I think Mitch mm. would love it mm. Was like There's no Wikipedia synopsis Fuck it, I'm gonna write it Oh Kelly, and so thank you No shit, today mm. And I haven't read this, I haven't read the book I haven't read the synopsis, this is all fresh for both of us Today Sick. We are going to be doing, this is a spooko first, Mm. a synopsis written by our listener, Kelly. Kelly, shout out, you rule.
1: Thank you very much, Kelly.
0: So, Peach, can I take you through the conversation that led to this? Because yeah, I think yeah. this is really cool.
1: Pretty sure I was there, but anyway. That, yeah, like... <laughs> well, we both man this account, but, like, it's yeah. whoever
0: gets there first, right? Yes. So and In fact,
1: sorry, that's part of just an ad to, like, come and engage with this on Instagram is you never know if you'll get Peach or Shay. Um, so I think people it... are
0: often disappointed when it's me. They're like, oh, that's <laughs> your <I'm laughs> sure Peach is <hears> this. <laughs> but anyway, so... Kelly says, I feel like I've heard Peach say he doesn't read, which you have said a lot. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes. Look, it's not a fair representation, but but I'll still, I'll still take it, Kelly. And like, I accept that.
0: But this would be a great horror novella for Shag to read and summarize. I could mm. write a summary too, but it reads like a fun horror movie, but it fits nicely in the vein of anarcho-capitalist woke Alinus, yes. which is very exciting. We're doing uh, our best, Kelly. I appreciate and then that. Kelly, and then they say... The gore is very specific, but described really succinctly, which feels like it lends itself well to the goals of the pod. And when I say specific, I mean explicit. So that was the end of June. Mm. July comes. And Kelly says, I've been working on a wiki summary of that novella and it is very long. I don't think I have the summarizing chops to be a true wiki submitter. Lol. Everything feels important to leave in. Uh, I then be, and then I'm like, look, I know how you feel. And my synopsis for The Furies, which was like an 80-minute film, I think was six pages long. So I, <laughs> I feel Kelly's pain. Yes. Uh, Kelly then says, my plot summary is four and a half pages. <laughs> I'm glad to share it still if you want to take a look. Um, and then says, "Woo! I submitted it to Wikipedia. Apparently there's a five to six month delay on approval. Oh, But it's there in the queue. Yes, Kelly. Then, twist... Overnight, someone reviewed it. And this was a couple of days ago. Overnight, someone reviewed it and rejected the article because the novella isn't notable enough. Hasn't been reviewed oh. or covered enough times by major publications. I also was going to offer that during this, I learned that pages. Now, this is an interesting legal question. Okay. And one of the reasons why... Remember last episode, I talked about how the Wikipedia didn't have a really important quote. Wiki pages okay. can't have quotes from the source material due to copyright stuff which could ex- explain the brevity and awkwardness of some entries. Yeah, okay. Which is interesting, can- right? Because how, wh- like, what then is a Wikipedia synopsis classified as?
1: Well, um, remember, so it's, you can't copyright an idea. So we can sit down and say it's a father-son fucking very boring battle of light swords, and you can summarise the plot. So you can't copyright the plot. But well, you can say and then uh, Mark Hamill said oh, it's my lightsaber so <laughs> so technically like that like the argument would be that that quote was a part of the substan- uh, so sorry was a substantial part of the original work or similarly the journalist said 10 out of 10 for Mark Hamill um that is arguably a substantial part of the review and so that would be the risk that Wikipedia is concerned about.
0: Yeah, gotcha. Okay, well, look, I think it's interesting that this novella wasn't considered notable because it's written by a very internet-famous author. Now, the internet is the new city, I guess. I think there's only one city in the world now, and it's the internet. And it's big enough that you can't explore all of it. There will always be pockets of the internet. Even Even if you're really like always online and like constant and in every social media and you know kept abreast of all the trends and whatever you're going to miss things but someone who I've definitely had contact with who you might have had contact with is an author named
1: Gary Vaynerchuk I'll freak out (laughs) because we haven't (laughs) spoken about him for a while but
0: that's fine (laughs) so it's an author named Chuck Tingle now Chuck Tingle is not their real name we don't know who they are it's a pseudonymous author primarily of gay, niche, erotic short stories. Sick. The stories mainly take the form of monster erotica, featuring romantic and sexual encounters with dinosaurs, imaginary creatures, anthropomorphized inanimate objects, and even abstract concepts. He self-publishes his work through Amazon.com, primarily as ebooks, but also as paperbacks and audiobooks. In twenty sixteen, his short story Space Raptor Butt Invasion, was a finalist for the Hugo Awards, which is uh, massive science fiction awards, and the okay. following year he was a finalist for the Hugo for best fan write. Okay. Now little is known about Chuck Tingle. He that like whether it's a he or a she.
1: Or like anywhere on the continuum. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. can
0: you can you can go in like there's lots of things people like there's somebody who poses as his son. That talks about who he is. Says he's like an autistic savant, and he edits his books and all this stuff. But there's no confirmed, like no one knows who Chuck Dingle mm. is really.
1: Uh, sorry, just while we're on the subject, episode hundred, we've got a big secret uh, that we're going to be letting out of the bag.
0: Okay, that's really exciting. That is. That's really
1: just exciting. a that's a little Chuck Tingle joke for you.
0: That's <laughs> just. Titles clinical. of some of Chuck Dingle's books, which are amazing. Mm. Uh, I have no butt, and I must pound. Uh, pounded in the butt by the sentient physical manifestation of my writer's block then realising I've already found inspiration by literally writing about how I'm not inspired
1: that's a Stephen King novel that's like (laughs) you know like uh, I feel like going yeah okay no I don't like that title
0: (laughs) I freed this handsome cargo ship from the Suez Canal and now he's stuck in my butt (laughs) (laughs) like like, the point of Chuck Tingle and and nobody really knows because nobody Mm. knows who it is but the idea is He's, he's, he both satirizes, like, online erotica, which is very much based on, like, you know, fan fiction, over-the-top sexuality. Yeah, kind okay. uh, You know, and, and I get, like, I don't read, like, a lot of gay erotica, but it, this mm. is supposed to be very representative, of, like, in a funny way yeah, okay. of, like, you know, what it is. But as well as that, there's a lot of wokeness in what he says. You know, like, a lot of it is very, like, fuck capitalism, which is also really interesting, right? Yeah. So anyway, all of his books are like that. And then out of nowhere, he comes up with a horror novella, literally called Straight, which he calls his first horror novella. And it has a serious cover. And to be honest, I know nothing about it. It came out in May this year. Kelly liked it enough to think we need to cover it and has summarized it. So, Peach, are you ready to go through Kelly's Wikipedia synopsis of the 2021 horror novella by author Chuck Tingle, Straight?
1: Yeah, they're killing it. Let's do it, Kelly. Thank you. Let's hit it.
0: All right. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, Kelly has included uh, like a bit of a thing about the themes of it at the start. But you know what? I'm going to go straight into the plot. Like, let's go go into this cold. All right. So, it starts with Isaac. Now, Mm. Isaac prepares to leave his apartment for his saturation day vacation. He considers taking a knife but leaves it at home after having flashbacks to massive amounts of blood within his apartment, so copious he can see his reflection in the blood surface. He leaves a note taped on his apartment door stating that he is not home and hopes it will deter people from breaking in in search of him. Okay. He is then startled in the hallway by the presence of his neighbor an old woman. She shares the elevator down and their conversation reveals many details about Saturation Day. An 18 hour period of time during which all cisgender, heterosexual people are overwhelmed by a murderous rage towards all queer people. When not around queer people, the overwhelmed are irrational and bumbling. The overwhelmed are somehow able to sense anyone with an identity under the queer umbrella. There is a vaccine with an unknown efficacy to prevent the homicidal rage. Isaac is offered cookies by his ageing neighbour and as he takes one, pricks his fingers. A closer look at the cookies reveals the neighbour has filled them with sewing needles and her dead goldfish. Okay. <laughs> so far, this is a horror movie. So far, this is a this is a goofy but very much horror film.
1: It's very mad. Yeah, okay, I'm having fun.
0: The neighbour zones out with a creepy smile on her face and Isaac fears she is affected early or that the event has become sooner, but she recovers quickly. The pair exit the apartment building. Isaac's friends soon pick him up Jason is driving and is described as having a severe personality. Nora is irreverent and loud, and Hazel is brainy and quiet. Nora and Hazel are a couple. Okay. So I'm guessing that these friends are queer. Now, remember, I haven't read this or read this synopsis. So my guess is this friendship group are driving to escape Saturation Day.
1: Yeah, we're starting with a nice vignette. I'm having fun. Start of a James Bond film, I get it.
0: On the drive, Isaac notices Jason eyeing him who then asks if he's okay. The unspoken implication is that because Isaac is bisexual, he's half straight and a threat to the rest of them.
1: Ah, uh, on saturation day. Yep, 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 yep.
0: Which is a good segue in mm. to the current climate of bisexuality and how it's treated, you know, in the queer spectrum, both, you know, in within the queer community and outside. There's, 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 I, I feel like there's a lot... That Chuck is clearly trying to say here. Mm. If he's trying to say it, fuck, I don't know. Like, what a strange author, right? Yep. Hazel and Nora protest. Isaac reflects on how being bi like Isaac or trans like Hazel was often called into question by the queer community before Saturation Day. The violence all queer people faced helped silence bigots within the queer community and unite everyone in grief and resolve. During their drive... Jason argues with Nora about their plans and how much fun they should be having on such a dangerous day. Isaac mediates a compromise in which they will stop at their favourite old-timey-themed bar, Bobcat Saloon, for one drink and get a meal to go. They also pass a straight couple on the side of the road, standing silently with a silent tow truck driver. They seem to be interacting with each other normally, except all three are nude. Okay. Like, I'm very much like, okay, this is a very purposeful story, but I'm also enjoying the weirdness of the world.
1: Yeah, like, like I'm having fun being dropped in the deep end for sure.
0: Mm. The saloon is a reproduction of the old town west. I also feel like, yes, Australia has some nice themed bars and pubs and stuff, but I feel like living in America, like any town has a great weird themed bar and an old timey dive bar. It, it feels like yep. paradise for when you're like, I just want to go get a couple of drinks.
1: Hugely agree. Jukebox, pool table, oh, oh, like free free peanuts, but probably uh, COVID that makes you scared of touching things other people have touched. But <laughs> still,
0: now the bar appears creepily deserted. The four friends enter the saloon to see four men, one of who, which walks away strangely. The bartender says he has thought he's a real life cowboy for the past hour. The other saloon men act friendly and ensure the friends they are all vaccinated. The friends skip the one drink as the cowboy reminds them of their limited time. They get food to go. The other thing about old-timey bars is the food's not usually the thing you go for.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that if you're getting it to go, you'd have time for a beer. (laughs)
0: That's such a good point. And And if the food is ready to go, Gordon Ramsay says, if the food is just fucking microwaved and handed to you, that's not a good restaurant.
1: No, exactly. Like, and if it's... If it's worth driving to, like, let's head off to get some, get some food. <laughs>
0: and if it's worth endangering your life on Saturation Day. Yeah, at least, at least grab a cheeky beer. All right. So the group passes a creepy man outside his home as they arrive at their vacation rental home. After arriving, they work together to hang thick black sheets over the windows to block their light and move furniture around to prep for having to block doors and windows if necessary. Afterwards, they gather together to start playing board games. I do like the horror trope where Mm. instead of being like, there's no threat, starting with, there's going to be a threat and we're going to have to prepare for it. That's fun. Mm.
1: Because then you're just at a mild, mildly anxious level the whole time. That's good.
0: Hazel surprises the group with an RC video drone to fly over the desert. She offers it as a security measure, but it's very loud. The group argue, but eventually only Jason protests. Angry, he goes to his room and shuts the door. Isaac, Hazel, and Nora go outside to fly the drone. They're moved by the desert scenery, but decide to spy on the creepy man they spotted from the road. They discover that the man is a sculpture artist and debate among themselves if being an artist indicates the man got the vaccine or not. Later, the friends prepare to get into the hot tub. Jason is still angry and not participating. Isaac approaches him, and Jason shares the story of his first saturation day. He and his partner were drunk, and his partner wanted dessert. So they went to a Froyo place. They pushed through a crowd watching something happening and discovered the person working had sliced open a body and was scooping organs into topping bins. Ew. The dead person was their dog walker. Jason conspicuously does not share what happened to his now absent partner.
1: Hi there, uh, Peach here. Um, It's my fault that we're just sort of interrupting this episode mid-flow. Isn't it great to build up a bit of momentum and then just have it whisked away? Um, Look, there was a uh, death in my family and, you know, not all deaths are violent, not all deaths are spooko in the way we define them, but... um, (laughs) <laughs> Maybe not all, but uh, a huge majority of deaths like these demand attention. So um, I'm stepping out for the second um, of this two-parter. We'll be back. I'm sorry to have to demand on your patience. Um, yeah, good time to spend time with family if you're able to see them. And so just I'll send... Um, sorry to t- <laughs> send such an earnest message, but just a bit of love your way and hope hope you're well, hope your fam's well. And, look, a lot of um, Australia is locked down at the moment. Yeah. Um, certainly the east coast uh and that makes some challenges spending time with family and and look I hope those challenges are not weighing too heavily on you um and sorry I am fine it was a relative who is very 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 advanced in age and it was certainly the right time so do not spare a thought for me but but if you have thoughts to spare spare them for your family um (laughs) including any um golden children in the background who may be having arguments so Sorry to interrupt the episode. Sorry to uh, slightly bring the mood down. Hope you're well. Um, might have been a good time to uh, grab a rashes via Zoom with a friend of yours or something like that. Anyway, uh, look, thanks, and sorry for the earnest voice memo. Talk soon. Uh, he's talking soon. What up? Uh,
0: All right. Part two next week.
1: Uh, this was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe, and follow wherever you can, and as much as you can. And Resh's... What's up?